uh, Vanita Best, uh, Community of Watford City, Community Development Director. Thank you very much for joining the program today. Watford City, we've had Daniel Stenberg on a number of different times. Gene Veter in the past as well. A number of different McKenzie County officials. And just to kind of set the stage a little bit, I like to do this for Watford City. Talk to me a little bit about the growth. I, I The numbers always escape me, but isn't it like 1,500 to 8,000 people in the course of like five years or something like that? Yeah, so Jason, in 2010, when the U.S. Census was conducted, we were at uh, 1744, and today it's estimated that based on um, services to the city, we're right around 8,000. Uh, with the 2020 census coming up, we're expecting to complete count all those folks. We're going to work real hard to do so, so we have an accurate number. But when we talk about percentage growth, we're at about 274% growth from 2010 till today. So your job is kind of created because of that growth, is my would be my guess. I don't know that for a fact, but a community development director, uh, we were talking a little bit before the interview started that that is... Somebody primarily creates communities around different scales of economy in different communities. Uh, talk to me a little bit about what that title is, and was it created because of the, the absolute rapid growth that happened in Watford? I think partially it was uh, born out of that. And so Gene Veter for a long time, had been Watford City and McKinsey County Economic Development Director. Um, when he moved into his seat on the McKinsey County Commission, um, Daniel Stenberg stepped into that role, and then two years later, I think due uh, partially or a lot, primarily to our rapid growth, we needed more capacity in that area. So I came on board in January um, with the city of Watford City, and um, yeah, 274% growth. And when you look traditionally at what um, economic development does, Watford City has plenty of economy, but it's really important in attracting skilled workforce to build a community around that economy so you're competitive and the operators here are competitive when they're recruiting talent. I know that's a big issue in Watford City, primarily Watford City. It is in the Bakken, but primarily in Watford City is workforce and housing. Talk to me a little bit about what your doing or I'm sure you're involved at least in meetings when it comes to workforce development and housing, how those kind of bridge together. Yeah, so two really exciting and unique um, programs that are going on in the community. Um, the Skills Initiative was born several years back. So Watford City is the largest community in North Dakota that does not have a community college. Um, but what we do have is a state-of-the-art Rough Rider Center, and that Rough Rider Center houses um, a multitude of entities that work with um, scaling up the workforce. So TrainND, uh, Williston State College, the University of Mary, they all come down and they offer um, classes that facilitate the industry needs in skilling up their workforce and also community education as well. That's been a non-traditional, non-brick-and-mortar focused um, post-K-12 education uh, um, model, and I think it's working really well. The, the Skills Initiative um, Committee gets together quarterly to discuss needs, um, workforce needs, and so that is one way we've addressed um, 
the needs of skilled workforce in our community locally. Um, in terms of housing, we do have a critical housing shortage here, and we're looking at some non-traditional ways to address that. Um, our Job Development Authority uh, board has requested um, a program which helps single-family housing builders uh, buy down the cost of infrastructure on housing. So we do have housing that is expected to come online later this year that meets the first-time home buyer um, cap. There's a cap on those who qualify for first-time home buyers, and right now we just have a difficulty um, meeting that number. So that program will be um, piloted in 2018. We hope that will bring some additional single-family housing on inventory. Uh, so certainly, we're aware of our challenges. We're working really hard to address those. Um, and I'm not sure if you know this or not, and I'm not sure if it'll air in time to hit this date, but uh, we do have the governor and his team coming out next Thursday, uh, May 23rd, and I suspect the housing issue will be one we discuss um, with his team when they're here as well. Speaking of the governor, I wanted to ask you about that prairie dog bill. I'm not sure if you're involved with that, but I know that I believe I should say they distributed some monies or got some some sort of monies through the state legislature, which is a done deal that they got this. So I, I, were you involved with that? Do you did you get a briefing as far as uh, where that money is going to be directed? Because I'm sure that has to do with community development, too. And I know Watford City was one of those communities involved. Yes, so um, both our Watford City team and our McKinsey County team together collaborated on how we would communicate um, our local needs to the legislative body. And the way we look at our community, um, and I'm sure you've maybe heard this, but we remind people frequently, 20% of North Dakota's revenue, um, I'm sure you've heard this, half of the state's revenue comes from oil and gas tax. 40% of that oil is produced in McKinsey County. So McKinsey County, Watford City, they um, generate 20% of the state's revenue. Uh, we're acutely aware of that. And so the thing that we like to remind people is this is an investment in North Dakota's future. Investment in Watford City and McKinsey County is an investment in North Dakota's future. Um, Oh, I think it's more than that. I, I, I think it's I think it's a great example of uh, mob rules. I mean, you know, I mean, because at the end of the day, you know, it's what you just said is true. A big lion's share of the oil and gas activity and development comes from that particular area. But because the population is elsewhere in the rest of the state, they've been ignored for a long time. And that that's um, yeah. what I mean by mob rules. It's one of those ugly sides of democracy where really democracy is just 50, 51%. And this, this is one of those cases. So I'm glad to see that it's starting to get ironed out a little bit because over on the East, you, I don't know how much you travel on the East, but it's, it's still, they're, they're still pretty out of touch with how involved the industry, the oil and gas industry is with the rest of the state. I mean, I'm not even talking about from the state legislature distributing money. Just from, you know, companies from the east side, whether it be Grand Forks or Minot or 
uh, Fargo, sending people out to McKinsey County, sending people out to Williams County, and even Billings County for that. Billings County doesn't even have a thousand people that live there, and they probably got more workers there on a daily basis than people that live there. So I'm glad to see that. Were you guys happy with this? Is this a good step? Do you guys, I mean, Talk to me a little bit about that, and you can you know you can sidebar on my east west comment a little bit, but I don't want to get into the Hatfield McCoy part of it. I was just glad to see that the east is starting to understand that my goodness, half of the revenue comes from the oil and gas industry. Yeah, so um, so we and and I did actually listen to your podcast. I'm not sure when it was hosted, but I listened to it a few days ago, and it was when you had Brent Bogar on highlighting, oh, sure. highlighting the tax distribution report, um, the oil and gas tax distribution report. So we are very pragmatic when we talk about how the oil and gas industry is taxed in North Dakota. Um, in the early 1980s, the extraction tax was implemented. That's a 5% tax. That is the state's tax. That is their tax that's designated to general fund, to education, and to water resources. That's the state's tax. So the gross production tax historically was enacted by the legislature in the early 1950s as after the um, Clarence Iverson well was produced in Williams County and the Ben Homer um, well was produced in McKinsey County. So at that time, the legislature said, you know what, we want systematic approaches to um, oil and gas development in North Dakota. So we are going to remove county's ability to assess property tax on oil and gas. And in lieu of that, you will receive a production tax, a gross production tax. So as you know, um, what our focus was in Watford City and McKinsey County is we are, we're currently at 30% of the gross production tax, and there's some other things that come off the top, like the 30% legacy, and then there's some other funding that comes off the top. But when they talk about um, local impact in lieu of property tax share of the taxes, one of our priority pieces legislatively was to maintain the 30% um, redistribution. And we were successful in doing that. And the reason we were successful in doing that is because we were prepared. We knew the numbers. We knew the capital improvement projects that were needed to produce an efficient, sustainable um, infrastructure um, and also communities in western North Dakota um, because we knew and we understand that there are two pieces that will restrict um, this resource harvesting, one is natural gas takeaway, so we need continued investment in that infrastructure, and secondly, employees. Um, industry is signaling that if they cannot attain or recruit skilled employees to North Dakota, that will be a restriction on the harvest. So um, we felt like the legislative session went well for us. Um, and we knew the reason that we were successful is because we understood what our future needs are and we were able to communicate those. So we, every other year we will keep um, explaining our current status and our, our future projections and keep you know, communicating that to the legislature. We would love to see many, many more legislators visit um, Watford City and McKinsey County, and if they ever uh, ring our phones, either myself or Daniel Stenberg, we would be happy to show them around. I just think some of the numbers that have come out in the last couple of years 
have become so eye-opening to hear anybody try to, I guess, I don't know, spin it or demonize it or ignore it is is amazing to me because there's I, I get it when you there's some things that are debatable and then there's some things that are just it's it's beyond debatable it's okay guys this is this is really top heavy here i mean we don't even get into a lot of the things that i talk about on the program which is the oil and gas companies not only pay their lion's share in extraction taxes production taxes and fees and regulation costs and everything else sales tax but they seem to have enough money left over for the local baseball team that needs uniforms. And they seem to have enough money left over for the church sale that needs thousand bucks for the bake sale and that sort of thing. I mean, they just, that's the part that they just continue to keep that essence of capitalism and community alive. Whereas I don't see that from a lot of other industries. Um, do, do you want to comment on that? Cause I, I think I, I, it's, it's opinion by me, but at the same time, again, I don't see that from a lot of other industries. Yeah, so last week I had the opportunity to travel down to Oklahoma City. For oh, good. That was my next question, by the way, was okay. the IOGCC. So we'll, we'll get a two-for-one in here. Perfect. Perfect. So opportunity to participate in a panel discussion on um, shale development impacts on rural communities in America. And that was one of the things that we visited a fair amount about is and, and I will say, I think that in North Dakota, we're positioned better than some other states in the way that they direct public dollars to impacted areas. I'm not, I'm not saying we couldn't focus on doing better, but there certainly um, are other states that are, are not getting their dollars redirected. Um, and it does impact the efficiency of companies doing business overall. But one of the things that we visited about was how there is not enough public dollars to build the community needed for the millennial workforce. Um, when they're skilled, they have options, they have expectations, and so your community has got to be attractive to them. You have to have quality schools, you have to have uh, great little league teams, you have to have recreational opportunities and access um, because the whole family is making this decision together on where to locate. So we visited a fair amount at IOGCC about um, being really thoughtful on um, foundation activities and um, community giving programs and how to communicate those and sync those up with the local government agencies or the local governments on how to best create um, attractive, attractive livable communities. Um, but to your point on the oil and gas industry being very, very good community partners, um, we visited about that a week ago, and I've had a lot of outreach already, people really wanting to make sure, and companies make sure, that where they're putting those um, donation dollars, that they are gifts, they are gifts to communities, where those are going is, you know, in sync with what, where public dollars are going as well. Um, so this can, morning, can, we I, were, can I ask you to just elaborate that a little bit? Because I'm, I, I think I'm following you on that, but they're they're kind of doing an audit, if you will. <laughs> is, is is that what I kind of heard? That the energy companies want to ensure that the donations are trickling down to the places that they're supposed to. Yeah, 
Well, so I'll give you an example. I wouldn't call it an audit. I just think that sometimes maybe the requests aren't being made. Maybe the future plans aren't being communicated by the local communities. And so as soon as the companies realize that there's a need and there's an opportunity to be part of the solution, they are happy and willing to step up to help solve community problems. So like in, um, in Watford City, you guys had a need for an emergency room. And all of a sudden, a couple energy companies stepped up and, and donated. I think one donated a big check and another one donated like a machine or, or at least covered the cost for a machine. Is that kind of what we're talking about, something like that? Or is that, is that a little too advanced? No, and, and I would love to talk about the specific gifts to the McKinsey County Healthcare System because the healthcare system just built a um, 10 nine bay er if you're um, if, if you can and you're comfortable you drop as many of those names and dollar amount of those checks as you like because <laughs> that's that's why we're here to let people know that this is the reality this is what's happening here is that not only are they paying their lion's share of taxes and fees and etc cetera, etc cetera, but they're still contributing to the local communities to make sure that this stuff is is operating and the quality of life continues and everything so take an opportunity to talk about that that medical facility in whichever way you can because that is quite a gem out there yeah so the mckinsey county Healthcare system um was in an extremely aging and woefully inadequate hospital it served the needs of a 1,700-person community. It did not serve the needs of an 8,000-person community. And so um, I would say six, six to eight years ago, the Benefit Fund Board of the McKinsey County Healthcare System started their capital campaign fundraising, and the operators here have been incredibly, incredibly generous. Um, the best thing I could do is... is give you the, I mean, it's mckinseycountyhealth.com is the website. Um, and as we're speaking, I am just trying to find their contribution page, but companies stepped up and they were incredibly generous. Um, and from, from One Oak to um, Whiting, and like I said, I know I'm going to forget companies and I'm going to feel horrible about it, um, but they have been incredibly generous and um, help support that $80 million investment into our community. It's um, nine ER bays. It's a 24-room critical access rural hospital. And it's also um, the Good Shepherd home, um, the nursing home. So um, they've been incredibly generous there. One of the uh, cool things I wanted to share with you is just this morning, um, one of the uh, operators who has their headquarters in Watford City had their monthly safety meeting, and they called and said, hey, McKinsey County and Watford City, can you come in and share with our staff what projects are coming up in the next five years? And they went as far as to give time to present what those projects are, and they're anywhere from... Um, having to relocate our softball and youth um, baseball and soccer complex because of the airport expanding um, that's getting crowded out to um, to relocating the fairgrounds which is no longer large enough for the um, large 
population influx since 2010. Um, we had about 10 projects that we shared with them. And then they went as far as to poll their people and say, help us identify which ones of these are important to you because it will help us identify how we contribute to those projects. So, um, so what was the what was the what was the kind of the five thousand foot view then of the panel with with what you guys were talking about? This is an example we're we're talking about how they are I guess continuing to keep communities going, but from a state level, there seems to be in other communities um, a desire for more dollars. <laughs> How's that? I guess without trying to be too political, I guess because that that was kind of the, the meeting was an idea swap on how to do those types of things down at the IOGCC? Yeah, I think what that, what that panel really was sharing are the community impacts that, that possibly corporate headquarters doesn't realize. It was a community perspective of what the impacts are. That's a pretty good way to phrase it. Community impacts that corporate America doesn't realize are happening. That's correct. And actually, that's that's kind of the one of our um, mission statements of the show. You know, we want to make sure that the people on the wellhead know what's going on in the executives offices. And we want to make sure the executives know what's going on down at the wellhead because they they do. They need to know. That's it's one again, one of those industries where they do need to know those types of things, because the the people that working at the well well site are living in and going to communities like Watford City. I mean, they're going to church together. They're going to school together, getting getting their broken limbs mended at the hospital, that type of thing. Uh, how, how was the conference for you? Um, was this your first conference where you're speaking for Watford City? Are, are you have other ones planned? Talk to me a little bit about your this, the experience of the conference itself. Uh, so the conference was a wonderful experience, and I guess the way I opened it, and it's probably the way I open most opportunities to talk about um, about Watford City, is I was I was born and raised here, um, graduated from high school here, went to NDSU, ultimately had a goal to return home, but at the time wasn't really sure that there would be that opportunity. Um, declining population, aging population. So finally, we did get back in 2006. Um, We returned to the ranch I grew up on. Um, Our son was born in 2008. And at the time, it looked like just looking around at all the other um, kids that were born in 2008, he'd maybe have between 20 and 30 kids in his class at um, McKinsey County District 1, Watford City um, School District. And that was in 2008. Um, And then things started happening. Development started. People started moving in, rolling into town. And we were a pretty transient community. But now, over time, that has really shifted. We're now a young, vibrant community with the average age of 30. We're a very young, vibrant community. And when our son enrolled in kindergarten, there were 140 kids in his class. And really, the story was at the IOGCC, there are opportunities for rural communities to 
see this transition, this transformation that we have experienced, but there are some things that need to be done and need to be considered. Um, and I guess, you know, a couple of things I talked about, and this really uh, should hit the ears of the companies doing business in states, is those public dollars need to be front-end loaded to absorb the impact when it comes to these communities. Um, what traditionally happens is the impact occurs, and then there's a time lapse, and finally the revenue starts showing up. But by that time, by that time, um, quality of life has diminished for a lot of the residents that were there before the impact, and it really creates it creates resentment towards the industry. And so to be able to front and load funding needed to absorb the impact, that was probably one of the important, um, I guess, discussion points that we had. So the conference was a very great opportunity to get Watford City and McKinsey County and North Dakota on, you know, a national discussion on how to better prepare rural communities for shale development. So yeah, it was, it was a great opportunity. How about Watford City? What's going on on Main Street these days? Any new businesses? Any anniversaries? To, uh, you know, three, five-year anniversaries type of thing? Um, I, I think so. You know, I, I tell people what we have witnessed and experienced in the last eight years, most communities do not experience in an entire lifetime or a, de or a, a century. Um, and so, you know, we have a ribbon cutting and and groundbreakings frequently, and we love them, but it does get to be a bit of a blur. Um, I guess one of the exciting um, opportunities specifically on Main Street is um, the old SNS building. So if you're not familiar with what the old SNS building is, it was um, Sanford and Sanford. Um, and if, if people don't know what that is, the lieutenant governor, it was, he was a multi-generational Main Street um, business owner, comes, came from a multi-generational family. And so um, SNS Motors relocated off of Main Street um, probably eight years ago, and that building was leased out for a period of time. Now somebody came in and purchased um, the building, and um, it's being named SNS on Main, and it will house... Um, a dental office, Legendary Smiles. Um, it will house Icon Architectural Firm, and it will house a um, nice little quaint um, uh, Mexican luncheon place. Um, and I think the name of that is Slow Drive. And so that was that was um, a revitalization project. That when that comes on. Main comes online uh, later this year, June. We'll really dress up the corner of Main Street and get that, that building occupied and, and, and busy again. So we're excited about that. Um, I'm sure you may or may not have heard. We have approximately $1.3 billion of infrastructure investment from oil and gas, uh, mostly natural gas processing and takeaway um, that you know, will be over the next two years. Prior to that, um, since 2010 to current, that investment had been about $645 million. So we're going to be doing twice as much investment in the next two years as we've seen um, prior to. So it, just a lot of, of great energy, um, busyness happening in our community. Good time to own a restaurant out there. 
Boy, I tell you, the good time to own a restaurant out there with a buffet. The construction guys are going to be like crazy with all that development going on. Jeez. Yeah. So one of the things that happened when Cashwise came to town and opened up is they opened a box store for their small, you know, they have different box sizes, and they opened their 7,500-person box store. And a few months into it, they said we should have gone big or gone home. Um, So, you know, we've heard in the past that they think that there are about 20,000 people buying groceries on any, you know, given time that um, there's just a lot of activity out here. So um, good time to, to own retail of any kind. Um, people need to get their hair cut. They need, yeah, they need to feed themselves. Um, just lots of opportunity for entrepreneurs and business owners. Oh, here. I love it. It's the picks and shovels of the gold rush, you know, the picks and shovels mm-hmm. of the Bakken out there. If you can get out there and have a better pick and a shovel and something that they need, well, the... Gold Rush people will buy it and they'll use it because they're out there. The, the, the oil's being drilled, uh, $1.4 billion, I thought I heard the other day. Well, uh, I think today the new number comes out, actually, this afternoon as we're talking. But we better wind out, down here, uh, wrap her up, give us some information how people can get in touch with you or Watford City or all the stuff that you guys are promoting right now. Yeah, so we have a website that is connected to McKinsey County. So you just go to Google and you punch in the city of Watford City or you punch in McKinsey County, North Dakota, and it will take you to the landing page, um, which they're both tied together. And um, we sure hope that people will pop in there and see what's going on. Um, If if anybody ever makes it to Watford City and wants a community tour, please pop into City Hall. Uh, we would, I would absolutely love to visit with folks. And um, I think, I, yeah, I just want to send people to the website. There's just a lot of cool stuff on there. Um, maybe one other thing to note, especially if you're a resident and looking for opportunities for entertainment and community events, um, we have a page, it's watfordcityevents.com, and that will get you, it's a central housing location for for meetings, for events, and you can get all of your information there. 